You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to uh, this week's RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by BigTeams.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by John Barnett and Clark Barnes. Guys, how are you? Fantastic. Uh, it's another day where I win in every league except for the two that I want to win the most. That's always how it works out. <laughs> uh, and I lost to my wife this week, so... That's, that's I guess, in one way crushing, but in another way quite rewarding because then you're like, yeah. you know what? Good on you. Yes. Tip of the cap. Tip of the cap. Tip of the cap. Tip of the old cap. Uh, Clark, I'm sure you had a nice weekend after watching the Texans just wallop the Titans. Yeah, good good weekend for Texans fans. Uh, they looked extremely good. I'm having one of those fun Monday night matchups where I'm currently top scorer in the league, but I have – both my matchups nipping at my heels here. So no more scoring here in uh, the team from Kansas city and the team from Washington's matchup, please. My, my fiance is currently rooting for either Kareem hunt to just go off, which is very likely, let's be honest, uh, or the Kansas city chiefs defense to suddenly just start picking Kirk cousins off every other pass and returning them for touchdowns. I needed 10 points from Kelsey in one league. So I've already got it. So you got that. Yeah. Everything else is gravy. Everything else is gravy. Well, welcome to, of course, this is our Tuesday, well, recording Monday night, releasing Tuesday podcast, where we recap all of the week four action. Um, It was a great week for 23, or not 23, the hell am I talking about? Two-thirds of this podcast. It was an awful week for one-thirds of this podcast. I'll (laughs) let you guess what third that is. Um, but unless anyone has anything else to add, we will just jump right into the full NFL slate. Everyone's injured. This is why you keep backup <laughs> running backs just on your roster, just in case. Oh my God! I wrote the uh, I wrote my waiver wire picks for this week and tried with all my might not to just have the entire list be running backs because fifty percent of most every major running back is injured with some sort of. Uh, some sort of issue yeah it's just the year of a handcuff at this point it's just everybody you did not expect to start the season when we got to preseason those really bad mfl 10 lineups that you drafted in like march were starting to look pretty good (laughs) (laughs) um but let's start with the very first game of the week Uh, and of course we will bounce this game thursday night football the green bay packers versus the chicago bears will bounce that to our resident Packers fan who not only was thrilled with the Packers victory, but clearly even more thrilled with not a Bears defeat and a Bears defeat in which they looked utterly just worthless, just unable to play the sport of football that they are all paid to do. Well, and we are now to the point it took. I was looking. It hit uh, 10 minutes. I tweeted it out when it happened. The minute they first said 
Do you know Mitch Trubisky's on this team? <laughs> Does anyone know that? Interesting anyone fact. Remember? Bench. <laughs> so it took him five minutes to make that happen. Um, and he's starting next week. So that's the word we have now is Trubisky's going to be starting. Uh, he's throwing to, uh, I think, Pete and uh, Pete's fiance <laughs> and Kendall Wright. John Fox's cousins going out for the team. Right. It, it's it's the perfect situation to like indoctrinate your rookie quarterback in. It, it's the one of those worst places to put him in. He, his offensive line is good. That's the one thing he's got going for him is he probably won't be destroyed every play, you know, David Carr style. But he he doesn't have he doesn't have anyone to throw to. He's got Tariq Cohen and Zach Miller. And with a rookie quarterback, I guess Zach Miller is going to be the guy who's going to be interesting from here on out. He's second on the team in targets. Uh, and you know, right behind Cohen. So he's going to be an interesting back end tight end one from here on out. Uh, in terms of that, those two, uh, Howard and Cohen this week, not a lot. Howard got you the touchdown, which at least kept him relevant enough to have, you've been thankful to start him this week, but uh, I think they will be better later. I already saw people on Twitter before this game saying, what, what's the, uh, what's the nickname we should give this dynamic duo of running backs. And I was like, no, no, it's, <laughs> it's just too early to try that nonsense. They, and then they weren't particularly much in this game. Uh, in terms of other running backs, the Packers were playing with their third running back this week, Aaron Jones out of UTEP. Uh, and he looked good, actually. He he did look good. He's got power. He's probably actually one of the faster of the group there. He, he's athletic. He's interesting. He's got good hands. Uh, he caught the ball a lot at UTEP. So if he's the and he's almost certainly the guy you're getting this week, uh, he's maybe not a long term option because Jamal Williams has a knee issue, no structural damage, but they're saying could be back in a week or so. Probably not this week. Aaron Jones is interesting, but he's a weak play only. He's just a streaming option. Don't pick him up as your long term solution here. And Williams is going to be there as long up until the point where or Montgomery can get himself back on the field. The only other thing, too, to take out of this is obviously a lot of talk about Devontae Adams getting the the big hit to the head. Uh, he's home now and everything, but we'll see when he clears protocol. Otherwise, Geronimo Allison is going to be back out there again and relevant again for the second time in three weeks now. So that's, uh, that's the other name to, to keep your eye on And this as we go forward from these games. Um, take from this, uh, Jordy Nelson, two touchdowns. Devontae Adams looked pretty good until he got hurt. Bob was in and played, and yeah, the Bears, there was nothing much fantasy relevant to take from this game. For them. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the Packers, both those both those backs are people who you should be looking at. Jamal Williams, especially if Ty Montgomery is going to miss any kind of serious time. I believe it's broken ribs for him. Um, yeah, which he's currently could... broken earlier than when he was taken out, so he seems to oh, have wow. played a couple plays with it. I'm so surprised people get up after any play in the NFL. It's It's, it's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing when you hear just like, oh, this person, you know, they play, they broke their ribs and then went back in and played five more downs with broken ribs. It's like, how, how do you just shrug off broken ribs? If my ribs were broken, I would just be lying on the ground in a crying heap of just flesh. 
Yeah, when you break your ribs, you can't really breathe. And when <laughs> anything touches your midsection, it's the worst pain in the world. So, yeah, is, go do a couple more carries for me. Right, and, like, go get tackled there because that's where every linebacker is trained to hit you is right in the ribs. So it's it's a miracle that these people not only play this sport but also last as long as they do. We will bounce right along then to the uh, one of the upsets of the week, uh, Buffalo versus Atlanta. Um in which Buffalo was able to take down Atlanta, not only just doing that, but also in their home, uh, taking down Atlanta in their brand new stadium, which was, of course, flabbergasting to everyone who watched. Um, But the biggest takeaway I had for here was Charles Clay. Uh, Charles Clay had five catches for 112 yards, uh, and he has been someone who I have mentioned at least three times in my waiver wire pickups and, and is a hot topic for anyone Uh, who's looking to pick up tight ends, stream tight ends, whatever. Uh, He's a very underrated guy, uh, though certainly it's it's catching up with him now. But he's been an underrated guy up to this point in the season. He leads the Bills in targets with 25 and in pass and receiving yards with 227. Um, And he's starting to become, you know, people are starting to get wise. And I think he's now 65 or so percent owned in Yahoo. So there's Starting to be, he's starting to get off of the waiver. See, if you want him, you got to claim him quickly. Um, but really, he's he's the guy to get clearly in Buffalo because uh, with Jordan Matthews, his guy suffered a thumb injury, so he's going to miss some time. Zay Jones and Ty Tyrod Taylor seem still to be trying to get on the same page, and that offense is still trying to like acclimate without Sammy Watkins. Uh, so Charles Clay is definitely is definitely the guy there to get. Um, I also wanted to mention Tevin Coleman. Uh, who led the Falcons in yards in the ground and through the air this game. Uh, so finally kind of uh, being able to give himself a breakout fantasy performance. He'd been hinting at it so far this season, but had yet to truly kind of put together an all-star performance. Has yet to really score. I, I think he only has one receiving touchdown. That was back in week two. He hasn't had a rushing one yet. But once he starts, you know, the yardage is there. And once he starts tattling, putting in some TDs, then his fantasy stock is really going to rocket. Yeah, the yeah, Bills looking good this year through four games, uh, three and one, leading the AFC East. Sorry, Pete. Ah, uh, that's rough. So when you, while you're watching the game, I know that we had Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu go down in this one. I haven't had a chance to watch the game this week, but last week against the Broncos, the Bills were flying around. Did we see more of that this week against the Falcons? Yeah, that Bills defense is is looking legit. Um you know, if if we had discussed or if we were to discuss more kind of IDP and uh, people who actually play individual defensive players, we could talk about some of the guys on that team who are making an impact. But that Bills defense is one of the primary reasons that they a won this game. Uh, they limited Matt Ryan to under 300 yards and picked him off twice, uh, which is exactly what they did last week against Trevor Simeon. So they're they're definitely a defense on the rise, and if you're you know if you're that some if you're someone who likes to stream their de- uh, defenses, the Bills are are certainly someone you should be looking at. Though my guess is by this point they're owned in most every league. So let us just uh, bounce on then, since we've already covered those games. Let's make sure to get into Clark's beautiful weekend, which starts and ends with the Texans walloping the Titans for, I believe it was, what, 57 to 14 or something absurd? Yeah, the the Titans get two touchdowns on Mariota's legs, and then he goes out with a, with a hamstring. And I don't want to make my living as a lip reader, but I want to say that I heard him tell the trainer, I heard it pop. 
which is which is not good. I mean, don't don't go reading into that too much. We'll know. I mean, a hamstring injury for a running quarterback, which Mariota still is, is always tough. Uh, I I would love to say the Texans have turned it around, and and this shows how really good they are. Um, but they everything went their way this game. They looked really good um, when the pocket collapsed. Deshaun Watson always seemed to leak out to the correct side and then make the throw. Uh, didn't make a lot of bad plays. Running game worked. Uh, running backs were catching the ball out of the backfield. So everything that the Texans wanted to do worked, and their defense was able to shut down the Titans' running game. Uh, once Mariota was out, it was it was over. So just really good dominating game from the Texans. I wouldn't rush out and trade Antonio Brown for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but really good win for the Texans fans and, and really disappointing loss for the Titans who, you know, a lot of people were hoping would put it together this year. Are you, and I know this might be the most preposterous question to ask a Texans fans about a Titans player, but are you starting to get worried about Mariota's durability? Cause it does seem kind of like every single year he has one major and a couple minor injuries that keep him out for two to three weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Texans fan, but I'm a football fan. I want good right. players to play and yeah, it sucks to see Mariota keep getting hurt. He's a really fine young quarterback who can run, but you know, he doesn't want to, you can watch him play. He wants to sit in the pocket and he's good enough to do that. He's accurate enough to do that. He has the arm where he can just flick it downfield 50 yards. So add a little speed to that and there's just not a lot of guys like that in the NFL so yeah it's really disappointing to see him go down and I hope that this will be kind of a Matt Stafford situation to where he seems snake bit early in his career and then you know six years from now it's remember when he used to always get hurt right. um because yeah I want to see him play I want to see him lose but I want to see him <laughs> but play. I like that comparison that that's a that could be a very real trajectory for Mariota's career because yeah people forget that Stafford was the exact same way always seemed to be kind of getting injured in that most inopportune times and then kind of always playing through it. Um, uh, but now seemingly has had put together at least a couple seasons now where he's been healthy. And he's been able to, to really lead that offense to uh, new heights, to lead them to mediocrity, to lead them to averageness, wildcard success and no playoff wins. There it is. That's the future of Marcus Mariota. You heard it here first. Speaking of mediocrity, look no further than the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints taking on each other and jolly old lovely England again. Marvelous. Why are we being so mean to England? I don't know, but ah, we love sending them awful football games because we're the true American football and their football is stupid despite it actually being played with feet. Which is a debate we should have at some time. We'll have we'll dedicate a full podcast into renaming. And I know Gridiron, but come on, Gridiron, stupid. We'll rename American football to more appropriately uh, display and articulate exactly what all the appendages that you use for it. But nonetheless, John, talk to me about the uh, New Orleans Saints yet again. Their defense shutting down another team. To start with, we we have already named the other football, so we'll just leave that one where it is at <laughs> soccer, which, by the way, is an English word. Um, yeah, the one thing I take from this, uh, Alvin Kamara has legitimate uh, abilities here that he, not just the abilities, but he's got fantasy talent. Uh, this is the second week in a row he's been relevant. Uh, he reaches a touchdown. 
uh, two weeks in a row. He had he led the team in receptions. He had ten receptions this week. Uh, so that's that's something very very interesting uh, in that end. And that he's worth having in deeper leagues at this point. Um, yeah, he led since in that he had five rushes on top of ten receptions. So he had fifteen touches. Uh, so he's he's the guy I think is interesting here. Last week I was talking about uh, Ingram. Ingram's still clearly the first running back. Still has, uh, has some sort of value there. But Kamara is going to have value, and Adrian Peterson shouldn't be on your roster. That's just anyway, sadly just true. I want to take I want to take take a quick break, and we're going to get back to this because I saw Clark pump, and my fiance just yelled, "Did someone score something in Monday so football?" Kareem Hunt has not scored twice in a row. After they've tried to get him, really? Because I just heard a cheer from from my fiance, meaning that he did score. Oh, Maybe I'm know, behind. That, I'm on watch no, ESPN. No, that she just told me through the door that they didn't. This is live, live happening live to you. Now that you're all so rehearsals are for suckers. This is going to be so great to listen to tomorrow when you're like, I know exactly what happened. Why the hell do I care about whether or not he scored a touchdown? Um, <clears throat> oh, he's got this. <laughs> you have power. Uh, <laughs> I definitely agree with you about Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is clearly has a big time role in the Saints offense. And finally, Sean Payton is making the right decision, despite the Saints shelling out money for Adrian Peterson, realizing that, wait, you know what? As a novel idea, let's get my rookie running back, who's a far more talented pass catcher than Adrian Peterson involved in a pass heavy offense, as opposed to trying to figure out how in the bloody hell to use a uh, a running back who's in his late 30s and uh, has come off multiple injuries and doesn't catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, the other thing to take for New, or- New Orleans going forward here is uh, Willie Sneed should be back next week, I believe. Do you foresee that uh, limiting Kamara's, you know, like this this repertoire that he's established with Breeze in the last two weeks, do you see that being limited by Sneed coming in? Or do you think that Kamara has already established himself as a pretty uh, defined role and that won't be affected? That's the point I think you take away from this is yeah. they're different roles. I okay. think you, you Kamara is going to still have that same exact value regardless of who's downfield on it. Um, Colby Fleener uh, sort of value going forward and some of the catches going uh, Michael Thomas way, but not, not enough of them to make you worry about Michael Thomas. I think he's still got all the value there. And I guess the, the only other things you take from the, the, the Dolphins at this point is uh, Parker Landry and Ajayi. That's those are the ones you can play and your, um, your early predictions, your, your big predictions, bold predictions for, beginning My bold of the year. Predictions for Jay Cutler. I've, I've failed miserably. <laughs> Has failed miserably. He does apparently, in fact, suck. Oh, it's rough. It's hard for me to admit that, but luckily, I get to tail. <laughs> I get. To, I get to take this and immediately transition to something that I called one hundred percent correctly, which is the Rams beating the Cowboys. What up? Oh, give me that red lobster nice. dinner, Clark. Very Jared nice Goff. <laughs> Oh, um, the Twitter yeah, look when that happened too. You you'd absolutely called that one. Yeah, I I did not have I don't have much in the realm of notes for this. It's mainly just a bunch of capital letters of me somehow just screaming about how great I am. Um, I will say that those jerseys were awful. Uh, that the Rams should never bring out their like throwback. It was like the St. Louis Ram jerseys that were navy and gold with the new LA Ram white helmets. It just was an awful combination that should never, ever have any any place in this league. Uh, they should just completely go back to the classic navy and gold 
That is what the LA Rams were established on. That should be the, uh, the official Jersey of the LA Rams. That is my two cents. Um, also just that Jared Goff looks mildly legit and that Sean McVay we've talked, we kind of danced around this, or at least I have definitely danced around this all season that I think Sean McVay is knows what he's doing. And he's finally kind of tapped into, uh, what makes Jared Goff great. Uh, is it, if you're going to go, go all the way on one of those, either the full yellow and your full blue and gold or go with the old school, the classic white, you yeah. can't put the yellow on the Jersey then. Yeah. yeah. No, you can't, you can't do No, That's just awful. And my final point was, oh, if Kareem Hunt didn't exist, we're looking at fantasy MVP Todd Gurley here. Todd Gurley is putting together a remarkable season. And I feel like because of the uh, the hoopla that Hunt is getting and just and just the general uh, publicity of like the Rams suddenly being a three and one team and Sean McVay suddenly making this actually a viable offense that it's mildly getting uh swept under the rug but like Todd Gurley had himself another monster game which he led the team in rushing 102 121 yards on the ground and then receiving 190 94 yards through the air so he is becoming exactly the dual threat all you can do everything's possible running back that we all expected and saw hints of his rookie year were completely wet let down his sophomore year myself included uh but is now seemingly in full force in year three uh but moral of this game too long, didn't read. I got myself a Red Lobster dinner. Woo! <laughs> Gurley second in the league in rushing yards, uh, 362, right ahead of Dalvin Cook. And he'll um, stay ahead of Dalvin Cook. Yeah, pour some out for Dalvin Cook. We'll talk about that when we get down to Detroit, Minnesota. Hey. Um, but let's not get to there yet, and let's instead talk about a stunning overtime victory by the New York Jets, who are doing the worst job at tanking. They are tanking, tanking, uh, in classic Jets fashion, who beat the uh, Jaguars. Clark, is there anything that we should take from this game? I have I have a few things. Uh, this was, again, I felt like I was in trouble, so I had to sit down and watch this game and, and find a couple of takeaways for the podcast. Uh it looks like both of these teams were doing everything they could for the other team to walk away with the victory here. Uh, there's some kind of eye popping numbers here. The biggest is Bilal Powell rushed for, I don't know, what was it? 632 yards or something like that. On my bench, um, of course. Cause well, on everybody's bench because that was the right move because he's not right. very good. And he was the jets. Uh, so <laughs> first, first rush of the game for him, he hurdles a tackler misses everyone and then in typical Jaguars fashion, they all stand around and look at him as he gets up and runs into the end zone. Um, he looked pretty good running. The The Jaguars were just getting gashed all day. Um, the Jets have some running back whose name I didn't write down, and we're probably not going uh, to need to Elijah something or another. Elijah I remember hearing about it, and all I could think of was Elijah Wood. And I was like, oh, my God, Frodo made it into the NFL? <laughs> he gashed the Jags for a bunch of yards. So I think this was just a bad performance by the Jaguars. Um, super boring game to watch. Austin Safarian Jenkins looked really big. So with the way tight end is looking this year, if you're desperate and he's there, yeah, go ahead. He's He is not going to be great. He is not going to get you a lot of touchdowns, but get you five, six, seven points a week pretty steady. It looks like he's going to turn out to be good enough and – in a game where the Jaguars played especially terrible, Leonard Fournette still got his. Um, just, I'll go back to this every week that I have to watch the Jaguars play. I was really wrong about Leonard Fournette. He is 
he is very good and the Jags are centering their offense around him. So I know it's too late now, but uh going to be fun to watch him play hopefully for the next six, seven years. I do like how it seems like at least in the last two weeks, Clark, you tend to take one for the team and, uh, and watch all of the really boring bad games and then get to and get to you know, bring those back to us since uh i think who'd you you had an awful one i think it was another jets game last week too that was just awful too i think it's because i watch a lot of the jets and jaguars games maybe that's it maybe you just you've just like worked your way as the uh as the jets commentate the jets and jaguars commentator and break and breaker down a film which is such a elegant and and delightful role to play it's elijah mcguire 10 there you go 93 yards he had a long of 69 very nice. And we, were, very we, nice were right around it, we were right around it. We were right around it. We were basically there. Um, John, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, this Baltimore Ravens team that I had gone on record saying multiple times had a great defense. Clearly, uh, I was uh, off base on that one as they yet again gave up a plethora of offensive yards, but this time to an actually valid uh, offense. So we're all okay with it. Yeah, I guess this was one where I was completely wrong on this. Uh, I figured Baltimore heading back after getting so thoroughly embarrassed uh, last week was likely to have some sort of comeback and play something out here. Uh, But no, no, they didn't play particularly well. The one thing I take away from Baltimore is Alex Collins is the guy there now. Uh, Second week in a row, he's had eight points for you. Uh, he's clearly the guy they'd rather get the ball to. If nothing else, he's been the most consistently productive running back on that team. Uh, so he's the most valuable running back there. Not hugely powerful. I'm going to move him up my rankings at this point, though. Uh, I don't trust any of the other guys they've got. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll move him up. Uh, I do think Baltimore's defense is still fairly good. They're not as good as we thought they were when they had their first two games look great. Uh, but they're still a decent team. It's harder when you're dealing with divisional games because everybody knows everybody there and there are no surprises in your division. So that was interesting. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, four catches for 34 yards. That won't happen again. Yeah, he had, what was his, I didn't watch this game. What was his sideline thing? He was wide open and Roethlisberger didn't see him. And so he went to the sideline and was just throwing. um, Oh my God the big water jugs and everything, the big Gatorade, you know, large jugs and everything around um, having some sort of giant fit. He was open, but whatever, like you were winning, things were going well. Why are you doing that? Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand that reaction. If it's like one play and you're, yeah. Yeah. It seems that seems preposterous. Yeah. I hadn't seen that. And I just, I just had saw that he was held to like four catches for 38 yards. And I was like, whoa, well done Baltimore's defense. And then I realized that he was actually like whatever benched for the last half of the game or something like that. Well, Le'Veon Bell rushed the ball like 62 times. So there wasn't a whole lot to go around for anybody else. Yeah. Well, you would think that Antonio Brown would have uh, kind of understood that, that that was probably going to happen at some point since Bell had yet to get his legs under him this uh, this uh, season, but now it seems to finally be on track. Um, staying in the AFC North, got the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and you know what? Andy Dalton, my guys, looks legit again. 
Uh, he looks like a different quarterback under the new offensive coordinator, Bill Lazur. It's Laser, but I just feel like with that Z there, it should be Lazur. <laughs> As the last two games, he's had 498 yards passing combined and six touchdowns. He had four against Cleveland. Uh, obviously, yes, it's the Browns, but the Bengals finally, they finally look like that they have an offense that's utilizing the weapons that they have uh, and and have been able to kind of start playing to Andy Dalton's strengths as opposed to, I guess, just making him play street football while with no offensive line in front of him and just hurling prayers up to A.J. Green, hoping for the best. And those weapons have certainly produced. A.J. Green had himself a really great game. Uh, Giovanni Bernard had a huge game uh, and so did Tyler Croft because, you know, that helped everyone having a tight end just go for two touchdowns on no one's team. So we love that. Um, And in Joe Mixon's first quote unquote start, uh, he had 29 yards on 17 carries. So, you know, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals backfield is, as always, just a a joy to to operate around and, and to know and understand. Just three guys back there to guess at, I guess. I Seriously, know. I mean, yeah, it's just it's just like the Seahawks backfield, which is now back into turmoil with Chris Carson's injury. Um, but yeah, no, the Bengals backfield has there's nothing. Joe Mixon will look great as soon as Joe Mixon isn't starting, and then as soon as Joe Mixon is starting, it'll be Giovanni or, or um, Jeremy Hill who will look great. So, when in doubt, just uh, don't do anything with the Cincinnati backfield. That's all you really got to know. I mean, Gio has to look around and just think, what the, what is going on? He, he's looked like the best running back in every game so far this year, and they just keep doing everything they can to get it to anyone else. Yeah, imagine imagine him on an offense that would actually appreciate his pass rece- pass catching abilities. Yeah, Pete. So it looks like there are two people tied for the lead in rushing yards this game. Who who tied? <laughs> oh. oh. Who tied it? It was uh, Andy Dalton tied with Joe Mixon. Both had 29 yards. So there you go. In case you needed further proof that Joe Mixon just had an awful game and was worth none of the starts, uh, Andy Dalton had just as many rushing and had a better average because I think he rushed for like nine, had nine carries or even three carries, four carries, four carries for 29 yards. Joe Mixon had uh, 17 for 29. So there you go. Andy Dalton, a vastly superior running back talent uh, than Joe Mixon. Moving on, Clark, uh, tell us about the 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals battling it out uh, for the NFC West. This is another something. Another total Clark team. Yeah, exactly. I'm (laughs) telling you, Clark has just started making a a name for himself by breaking down all of just the most average and boring games, which I appreciate. I love it. Yeah, got to be part of the team. You know, just doing my part. (laughs) You picked them. Exactly, exactly. To like to lift up uh, the piano cover, we uh, we write down all the teams that we want to play. And Clark, for the last two weeks, has started the list, being like, "I'll take these five teams." So he, you have actively chosen to take these awful matchups, and we love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look at that strategy next week. <laughs> next week, next week, John and I are just gonna get blasted with these just all the awful, the worst matchups. And Clark's gonna be talking about all these overtime thrillers that he gets to watch. Yeah, this one will be quick. Um, lots of field goals in this one. Uh, my big takeaways from this are Carson Palmer looked looked old. Uh, he underthrew a lot of balls. He was under pressure constantly and. I'm sure that contributed to it. 
but that's not going to change either. It's not like the 49ers have some amazing pass rush that will, you know, the offensive line for the Cardinals will look better next week. Uh, so uh, really worried about all of the pass catchers and uh, Carson Palmer. If you're, if you're still holding on to him on your bench, I'd go ahead and let him go. Uh, try to get somebody else in there. Uh, speaking of folks that looked old, Chris Johnson looked old. He looks like a serviceable backup running back, which is an amazing, he's an amazing athlete. Don't want to disparage the guy. Uh, but Andre Ellington looked like the best back, even though he looked just like a receiving back and not a great all around running back. So Ellington ended up getting you 10 points in standard. Um, he got robbed of a receiving touchdown early in the game that I was none too pleased about since he did start for me in the league. I was desperate in this week. Uh, on the 49er side, they look pretty good. Hyde is clearly the number one back there. They've started giving Brita some of the carries, but he's no threat as long as Hyde stays healthy. Uh, oof, both these teams look bad, which is a, a not good for the Cardinals, who we were hoping would be good this year. Like answers behind Palmer either. They still have Drew Stanton, and behind that they have Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, they just the, the, they don't have like a guy they're grooming to be next. I, I guess Stanton, but I don't know. Not. No, I you're know. right. This is it. This is it for the Cardinals. If, I mean, they're gonna play Carson Palmer until his arm falls off. So yeah. this is it for 2017. I only know that they're whoever they draft, uh, Logan Thomas, who they drafted what two or three years ago. I only know that he's no longer a running a quarterback in the league. He now is transitioned to tight end at some point. And I only know this because when I played Madden, he just randomly appeared in the tight end listing for free agents. And I was like, wait, wasn't this guy drafted as a quarterback for the uh, Arizona Cardinals? So there you go. The Cardinals are so set for the quarterback of their future that he is currently a tight end, a free agent tight end, according to Madden. Yeah. And if I remember the narrative from the draft, I think the Cardinals were one of the teams that got left out. That's why the Texans went up ahead of them at 12 and gave up the first round pick next year, because I think the Cardinals were at 14 and everybody kind of thought they were going to take the last guy. Right. Yeah. No, everyone, everyone thought for sure that somehow they were going to make moves for Pat Mahomes. Um, And then, yeah. And, and it makes a lot of sense for the Texans and the Texans are reaping the rewards, man. I mean, good Lord. Deshaun Watson looks, looks legit. Oh, wouldn't that have been so beautiful? Bruce Arians and, Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. Bill O'Brien looks finally like he has himself a quarterback that he can mold. Uh, Let's let's hope. Moving on to quarterbacks that can't be mold. One because Matt Stafford is already well established in the league, and the other one is because Sam Bradford just can't play enough points to be molded. Uh, The Lions versus the Vikings. John, another NFC North battle that you can speak to this at a, a very unbiased manner. Clearly, um, <laughs> Amir Abdullah finally gave us a game that was that was really good to see. Oh my gosh darn bench again! <laughs> right, ninety four rushing yards, fifteen passing or receiving yards, uh, and a touchdown. So we got you that touchdown finally. He he didn't play during that last bit down the stretch. Otherwise, he probably would have gotten you the hundred yard game, um, which I think would be the first in quite a while against this Minnesota defense. Um, the the other player that was interesting is Darren Fells, the tight end for the Lions out targeting and out caught Ebron. Uh Damn. he's interesting. This is the guy who is there. His numbers aren't stunning. You shouldn't run out and get him or anything like that. But it's interesting that he he got more catches, more targets than Ebron, got more yards. Uh so that was at least a name to take a look at here as you go forward. 
the big name from this game and the big information we got out of this game, the biggest news was Dalvin uh, Cook. Dalvin Cook is out for the year, torn ACL, confirmed today, MRI. Um, they were a very different team the moment he went down. He went down and fumbled on the same play. Uh, but at that point, it was still the 7-3 game. Uh, they obviously didn't do anything after that. They had a missed field goal, which really hurt. Hit hit right at the upright. Uh, uh, off the as the kicker's looking at it, he put it right into the the right upright and bounced straight back at him. Um, so there are a lot of boos there because Minnesota's long history of feeling very bad about missed field goals. Yes, uh, rightfully so. But yeah, uh, they looked very different out there uh, without him. After the injury, I tallied this up going through. Case Keenum was 7 of 15 for 94 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, and a sack. Gross. So, Gross. yeah, not particularly great numbers. Uh, they're, they're just a different team. They, they don't run well. Uh, Latavius Murray had seven carries for 21 yards. Jarek McKinnon's had several years to try to show us how all of his athleticism <laughs> translates into something. And uh, I don't know that I'm interested in any of the, the running backs there. Uh, Diggs and Thalen are still going to be interesting. Diggs and Thalen each had five catches. Uh, Diggs for 98 yards, Thalen for 59. No touchdowns for either of them. Uh, the touchdown was to Cook. Uh, but I think Diggs right now actually leads the NFL in receiving yards. I think so too, yeah. Yeah, and Thalen's in the top five. So they're still going to be valuable. Uh, I wouldn't just drop them, but I think that their value is going to fall from where they are right now. Case Keenum is much less interesting if he doesn't have the threat of the running game. And yeah. I think that it kind of bore out after that, that they, they had trouble moving the ball particularly well. The Lions are an okay defense. They're not great. Uh, I didn't go check out their DVOA or anything like that, but they're they're a, a nice defense. It's going to be interesting going forward from here. I don't want any of their running backs uh, particularly. Uh, Diggs and Thalen, again, I said will be interesting, but... Uh, I'm much less afraid. Of, I'm worried about anyone else on their offense. Those are the only two guys I want. So you mentioned Detroit's defense and ESPN scoring their number one tied with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I really hate to cross over team defense scoring, but I went and picked them up. Uh, they're turning the ball over and they're getting touchdowns. We see that from some random team every year. And it looks like this year it's going to be the Lions. We can perfectly transition this from a team like the Lions that have a surprising defense to a team like my Patriots who have an awful defense. My goodness. Um, there's so much to break down from this game. There's so many emotions that I had to deal with while listening to this game. I couldn't watch it because I was driving down from New Hampshire, uh, but I listened to it on the radio. First of all, listening to the radio for a football uh, broadcast is a lost art form. That's a great way to enjoy a football game. Oh, I love it's, it. It's it's fantastic. Um, definitely something I highly recommend if you're ever just don't want to watch and you want to listen to a very uh, biased uh, commentary crew uh, want to tell you about how how great your game is and how and they overreact just like you do. Yeah, well, I have the uh, Sirius Satellite Radio, and if you listen on the app as opposed to the actual radio thing, you can get every. Any home team broadcast from any any team. Oh, really? So I'll drive, I drive home. I go to choir and it's 30 minutes away and then back on Sundays. So I usually listen to. And then I appreciate that uh, my color guy, Larry McCarron, actually knows football. 
and not everyone does. Some of them are good. Like the Broncos have a great uh, broadcast. Guy. Yeah, so yeah. Guys, it's fun to see who's good. The Cardinals are also good. Guy that the sounds Cardinals like guys great. Yeah, we have our broadcast. Our color guys uh, was an ex quarterback for the Patriots, so he knows he knows his stuff, Scott Zolak. But anyways. There's a lot that I could talk about this game. I could talk about Cam Newton, who I was very basically just you done the week before. I wrote an article about how he was just not worth fantasy relevance. So what do you know? He goes for like 30 points uh, or about how Calvin Benjamin and Devin Funches suddenly are now back in the fantasy realm of excellence at the wide receiver position. Uh, go get Funches because clearly in the absence of Greg Olson, he's quickly becoming one of Cam Newton's favorite targets. But instead... I am fed up with all the positivity that we've had on this podcast so far. So instead, I'm going negative. I'm going to talk about the Patriots defense. And now this defense is just awful. Just so awful. And it's so awful that you know what, you guys? I slammed my phone down with an anger. You're done. This defense is done. Drop them. If you have the Patriots defense, they're not going to be good. They're not going to get you any fantasy points for the rest of the year. They're worthless. Even if they turn this thing around, they're never going to do anything to amount to nothing. There are miscommunications on the back end. No one knows what they're doing. Everyone's running around like a bunch of headless chickens, giving up yardage to Cam freaking Newton. The Saints held the Panthers to 200 passing yards last week. And then they come out and the Patriots just let them walk all over them. Oh, this is the most energized I've ever been, but you're done. Patriots defense, get out of here. I'm not talking to you anymore. You're done. Um, I mentioned DVOA a little bit ago, and I'm actually surprised. Uh, Detroit ranks eighth overall coming into the week in DVOA, if you're aware of that stat. New England's not not the worst, actually. they Coming into this week, 30th overall, uh, 31st in pass rank, and 28th in rush. Beautiful. Look at that. We don't suck as much. It could be worse. It could be worse. We could be uh, San Francisco. We could be New Orleans or San Francisco. So there you go. So I guess I should count my blessings that uh, our defense is not as bad as New Orleans and San Francisco and that we have the greatest quarterback of all time on the offensive side. But nonetheless, Johnny, you, I don't think he's playing. That's for another (laughs) podcast. The podcast, when we rename the game of football, we'll also discuss about the greatest quarterback of all time. Clark, take us to a quarterback who I, at one point, you done, and then he came back to bite Mike Katukas. But the Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, if, if you ever need a reason to not make fun of NFL athletes or call them garbage or something like that, just watch Eli Manning run and realize he looks a lot better than you would when he's running. Oh, 100%. But you see it also. You're like, well, compared to an athlete, that's comical because I don't know if I would call them wheels. But man, that was a, a funny play, completely wide open field. And I think defenders just didn't bother because they were so surprised. I always love those plays because it always looks like the quarterback, especially if it's quarterback who's not used to running, is more just like stumbling forward. Like they keep anticipating getting hit. And so they just kind of keep like bumbling and stumbling forward until eventually either they get tackled or the ground just comes up and meets them. Yeah. And they fall at the end all the time anyway. Right. Like, oh, yeah. No one ever touches their balance. <laughs> they know it's coming. So uh, the, the Giants looked pretty good. Um, so that that is a little respite for the 0-4 Giants. They looked okay. Uh, when Eli had time, he looked, again, okay. I, w- I wouldn't get totally excited about it, but I think the Giants are kind of coming around. Um, I, I think you're going to get 
some surprise performances out of Evan Ingram. I think Odell Beckham is fine. The big surprise here was uh, a guy named Wayne Gallman running back for the Giants, apparently. Uh, <laughs> he looked the best out of all of the Giants running backs, which take that for what it's worth. It's not extremely high praise, but if you're coaching the Giants, I, I think you start him and run him out there. He looks quick. He's little, but he he at least has the will to run inside. He had a couple of nice catches, um, got a receiving touchdown in this game. So I think with all of the running backs injuries and just all of the injuries in general that we saw this week, Wayne Gallman is absolutely someone that you go pick up. I mean, I'm saying 20, 25% of your free agent budget, just because we've been waiting for the starting running back in New York and it may never happen, but I think Wayne Gallman gives us the best look we've seen this year. Uh, and then my next big takeaway was we're waiting for Doug Martin to come back uh, to the Bucks here. And I think, we might be a little disappointed when he does get back because the Bucks are winning being a throw first team and Jameis Winston wants to throw the ball. And that's understandable. I mean, if I could throw the ball like that, I would want to throw the ball too. Uh, the reason they started running last year is because Jameis Winston kept throwing it to the other team and the coach got tired of it. So he made them run, you know, 60, 70 times a game. That's not happening this year. Uh, the passing game is working. And I think when Doug Martin comes back, we're going to be a little disappointed uh, that he's going to run good and he's going to look good, but he's going to get you 80 yards and no touchdown. Uh, the the Bucks had a first and goal on the half yard line. They ran Jaquiz Rogers up the middle. They lost a yard and a half, and then they threw twice and, and kicked. And I think you're going to see that a lot, even when old Dougie Fresh gets back. Luckily for all you Doug Fresh uh, owners out there, guess who he gets to come back against Thursday night against the Patriots defense. Oh, Doug Martin's just, about to yeah, run. I just said, never mind. Good point, Pete. Doug, Doug, Doug Martin's about to run wild Thursday night. He's going to run for 200 yards and three touchdowns to welcome himself back to the NFL season. Let's move on to the other team in L.A. that is currently very much losing the battle for L.A., uh, the Los Angeles Chargers getting uh, their 0-4 record cemented by the Philadelphia Eagles. John, uh, who from there has any kind of fantasy importance? Let's just say that nobody is winning the battle for L.A., least of all L.A. Least of all L.A. There are, there are three wins in L.A., and uh, so they are tied with Green Bay, but they have the two teams. Uh, <laughs> nobody should feel more snake bit than the Chargers right now. Just they always just barely lose. Legarrette Blunt just went off this week. Uh, 16 carries, 136 yards. Uh, he has these every now and then, I guess. Especially if you're going to feed him 16 times a game, which not everybody does. The Patriots didn't do it every every game because they had they changed their offense for every game because they're smart. You know, <laughs> they play to who's in front of them. The Eagles just decided they were going to run this ball. They had 214 rushing yards. Uh, Smallwood got involved. Corey Clement got involved and got a, a touchdown in this game. Uh, Smallwood also had decent total points in, in terms of your final fantasy score. And uh, I, I would think still going forward that what we're looking at is Smallwood is going to get more touches later when they're going to throw more. They didn't throw. They got ahead and they just kind of ran out the clock. They started running out the clock maybe too early because the Chargers always almost come back and they got right up to it on a crazy catch in the end zone. One-handed grab by Hunter Henry. 
thankfully saving my Hunter Henry day for me because <laughs> I've got him a couple places as a second year tight end. Um, and everyone else has him too on their bench after starting him <laughs> last week. You're done to me, Hunter Henry. No, I, You're done to me. To me. Just Hunter Henry is done. Just to me. Uh, Rivers had 347 yards passing in this game and two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Allen had value. Henry had the touchdown. Keenan Allen, uh, Terrell uh, Williams, both went for 100-plus yards. Two different receivers over 100 yards. Uh, both of them remain uh, interesting receivers here. Uh, Melvin Gordon didn't didn't get you much in this game. He, he was kind of questionable coming in. I got the word, I think, Saturday they were saying that he was going to play. And so he, he ended up on the field. He had some carries. He didn't get you particularly much in this game. And they just couldn't get the ball back in this. It's game. a story. It's a story of their season. And it's a story of their franchise. Um, but it's good. It's definitely encouraging to see Doug Peterson. After we had expressed some worry about how Blunt was being used in Philly, good to see him using Blunt the way that he should be used, which is just bash him up the middle and tire everyone else out. Yeah, uh, Smallwood still had ten carries, and like I said, when they when they get to a game where they're going to need to throw more, he'll have more value. Right. In, in in the pass catching game but if there's gonna be a game where they're gonna try to run the clock like this yeah it's gonna be blunt doing it and they've definitely roll for him which like in new england they don't always have a clear role because roles change week to week so he knows who he is here excellent uh let's move on to oakland raiders versus the denver broncos and i can talk about denver and and talk about how trevor simeon well kind of got back on track not entirely but at least didn't throw multiple interceptions. Uh, But instead, obviously the biggest story coming out of this game was Derek Carr getting a knee right in the middle of his spine, uh, which I will say, I love Tony Romo doing his commentating. I think he does a great job of kind of breaking down plays and like kind of predicting what comes. He does tend to overreact to injuries. Uh, Multiple games I've listened to he'll, and I know he had that exact back injury and I know like he's, he's been able to talk about these things, but he tends to like see an injury happen. He's like, well, that's that. That's it. This guy probably won't recover from this. And you're like, they're like, Oh, he'll be out for two weeks. And you're like, okay, well, Tony, let's chill a little bit. So I dislocated my knee playing basketball when I was like 17. And anytime there's a hint of a knee injury, I have to turn away from the TV. Yeah. That's not going to rag on Tony Romo for that. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, but anyways, yeah. So the big news is Derek Carr. I think I think they were saying it's two to six weeks, which I is is a pretty big range to kind of be like just throwing around. Um, but this is huge. This is huge for the Raiders' offense because both of their receivers, both Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, have been struggling the last two weeks. Cooper has put up two back to back zero point games um, and has looked completely lost. Leads the team, leads the NFL in drops so far this season. Um, I want to have faith in him. If we're talking in him particularly, I want to have faith that he returns to some form of a wide receiver one. Uh, in the later part of the season, but with Derek Carr missing major time, I'm really starting to doubt that. Uh, it's not what you want to see see from him, and this is really not what you want to see from a Raiders offense. I am very cautious of the Raiders offense right now, heading into the next kind of four weeks or so. Their offensive line has not been as dominant as they have been to start the, through the first two games of the season. These last two games, they've been uh, unable to really open up holes in the run game. And my guess is, I mean. That's not that's not going to get any better with EJ Manuel under center. Teams are going to just stack the box and force EJ Manuel to beat them, and I don't see that going too well. Although he did look decent for a, for a stretch against the Broncos until he threw a very uh, contested pick. But yeah, I'm definitely selling on Raiders offense right now, and 
we talked about this last week when we, we were talking about some trades that we maybe put forward. I think you make moves. I think if you have Amari Cooper, you try to sell high on his on his upside and his name, and you're like, you know what? We're only four weeks in. Who knows what could happen? But you try to get something for him now because even if he does produce late in the season, he's gonna be you're gonna be okay with him sitting on your bench for three weeks and before he does anything now. So I would say I would say look to move him. Clearly yeah, I mean, you nailed it. <laughs> clearly, I just I just it was giving all the perfect insight right there. Let's wrap this whole beauteous thing up. Let's wrap up week five. Uh, or week four, sorry, I'm looking ahead. Week four with the <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts. I can't even say this with a straight face. Clark yet again taking an excellent game to break down. <laughs> yeah. the Indianapolis Colts against the Seattle Seahawks Sunday night primetime in Seattle. Oh, Clark, what can we take away from this game? Well, I mean, we just about had the Seahawks backfield figured and then – Chris Carson goes down with injury. I mean, it sucks. I mean, these these guys have families, you know, and are people, so it sucks to see them get hurt. You know, it also sucks for fantasy owners that we just have no idea what's going on. I mean, we're back to three people. Uh, Procise was out this game, and uh, I don't even think that we saw Lacey get a couple of carries, and it's just it's a whole mess. Uh, Russell Wilson looks good against a bad Colts defense. They ran away with this one. I think their defense got uh, the Seahawks defense got two special teams touchdowns. Russell Wilson ended up having a good game. Uh, the Colts don't have much of a pass rush, and so he had a little bit more time in the pocket. And when he scrambled around and improvised, looked a lot better. Uh, Jacoby Brissett showed you know, after Andrew Luck comes back. In a couple of years, I think we're going to see him get a starting gig somewhere. He looks pretty good, and so I think he does enough to sustain Frank Gore and, and T.Y. Hilton. You're not excited about it, but you're probably not going to get much for those guys anyway, so they're your you know, second or third wide receiver and running back. You can stick with them. I want to get excited about the Seahawks, but the Colts are really bad. So I think they just I think a decent Seahawks team just beat a bad Colts team this week. Any interest at this point in uh, J.D. McKissick as another one of the guys who's at least healthy on this team? He's, he's quick. He's interesting. He's got that going from My instinct yeah. says no, so you should go pick him up. So, so that means that you got the blessing. <laughs> he's starting next week, 160 yards. You heard it here first. Yeah, he, he looked quick. He looked fast, actually. He had a good run around the edge, uh, and then he beat a linebacker and uh, got a, a really nice – reception touchdown that run around the edge he had a really nice shake cut to the inside to lose the back or two i mean he wasn't just straight line going he he gave him a shimmy and a cut and got himself inside there and then he was just running away from corners so i don't know he's at least somebody i put on my bench at this point to hold yeah. on to i mean he looks good <laughs> what do you what are we gonna do you can't yeah. do anything Pete carroll says i mean to his understandably it's better for him not to tell the truth. So I don't think he's some awful person, but we're not going to have any idea. Oh, right. I do. We're going to have no idea again. I do. John knows. John knows how this backfield's playing out. No, no. I, I think he's an awful person. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Well, there we go. There's a uh, week four for you and a delightful recap. Uh, and Clark, if you're, are you currently watching Monday night football right now? So we've got 17, 17, uh, Alex Smith just took a sack 
from a large man who plays for the team in Washington. He's in the 90s, so you know that didn't feel good. And uh, we're coming up on second and 20 here with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. There you go. We have now covered every single game on the week four slate. That is expert podcasting right there. Um, uh, quickly, we has 51 yards rushing today so far. Has 51 yards and rushing? 51 yards rushing and a touchdown. Um, yeah, I saw that run. That was a nice run that he that he put together. Um, make sure to – we'll be back Thursday. Obviously, we'll be recording Wednesday night. Come back Thursday to uh, preview the week five slate. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB one podcast, follow myself at Pete M Rogers, follow John at J barn 54 Clark at NFL Clark. That's where you can add us with all of the stupid advice that we give. And if you really want to just rip at us, or if you're like, you know what? Totally agree with you guys. That's where you come and agree with us. Uh, make sure to start really interacting with us on the Twitter sphere. We're going to try to start reaching out to our listeners and really trying to get you guys involved, uh, trying to get your questions onto the podcast and all that jazz. So look for that, especially going into net, you know, Thursday's podcast. Um, quickly though, and I meant to do this on the opening of the show and I forgot to, but uh, we won't be, we won't do a, a lead out song. We'll instead do a moment of silence. Uh, I just want to say, you know, thoughts and prayers, obviously with everyone and everything that happened in Las Vegas, there's a lot that can be said about that. Uh, it was an awful occurrence to happen. And I think that the, I haven't checked it in recently, but at the last time I heard the death toll was at 56, I believe. Um, and, and over 200 people wounded, uh, which is just obviously an awful thing to, to happen and to happen on, uh, American soil. So obviously thoughts and prayers with everyone who is affected. And, and I know that can only do so much. Um, but you know, we have to, we, we, try to do what we can. Um, so we'll, we'll leave the podcast with just kind of a moment of silence at the end. Um, and we will see you guys, uh, Thursday.